0: You guys keep talking. Very good. That, you guys are suddenly silent.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh,
0: so many.
2: So many. So many. Damn books.
0: Welcome to So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And we have Laura Vandenberg in the damn library with us today. Um, Laura. Hi. 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 Um, <laughs> Laura is the uh, the writer of many books, uh, most recently Find Me. Her, just out in paperback? Just out in paperback, um, just this month. Uh, but she's also the author of What the World Will Look Like When All the Water Leaves Us, and uh, more recently The Isle of Youth, and as well as I've, You're a Teacher, You're a Dog Owner, You're Many Things. <laughs> And uh, thank you so much for coming and and joining us.
1: Thank you for having me in the library. Glad to be here. I'm drinking an amazing drink that you made, which is making me all the more glad to be in the library. (laughs) Oh,
2: yeah. What is this this
0: most recent concoction? This is the, um, I'm calling it the lose me. Um, It's basically, uh, if you want to make it at home, you got to go buy a a cucumber soda. We're using um, Mr. Cucumber Soda sent by my parents. Um, but it's also with uh, about two ounces of gin, about a teaspoon of lemon juice, and uh, I also salted a slice of cucumber to put uh, on top of it. Before we get anywhere further than that, let's talk about uh, what we bought. (laughs) Laura, why don't we start with you? What did you, what yeah. did you, what did you buy recently?
1: Um, I, I, I went crazy at the bookstore recently because there's a lot of stuff uh, out that I've been wanting to get. Um, I got a book called Vertigo, um, by a writer named Jo. I think it's jo- Joanne. Um, Walsh. And it sounds really interesting. So I'm excited to I'm excited to read that one. And I also got Garth uh, Greenwell's new novel, uh, What Belongs to You, which I've been hearing really good things about. Sounds like a, um, an
0: incredible book.
1: Yeah, so I'm really excited to read it. And I'm working on a novel now that I I want. It's, it's definitely a short novel. So uh, probably around the 200 page mark. And so mm-hmm. I'm just reading a lot of short novels to kind of you know, see how other people have approached that form, and it's uh, what it belongs to is just under two hundred pages. So, I, yeah, I'm really excited to start that one. Um, I keep trying to buy Alexander Cheese new book, uh, The Queen of the Night, but it has been sold out to every bookstore I've been wow. to, um, which yeah. is amazing. It's the it's the happiest reason ever to not be able to buy a book. And I also got Samantha Hunt's uh new novel, Mr. Splitfoot. Oh man, I and can't wait to read that. Hers, yeah. So. When you,
0: when people describe a book as something like sort of like Amy Bender, I'm just like yeah. immediately into yeah. it. It's like Gothic Amy Bender. Yeah. Was that yeah. was described to me. Uh, really exciting. Uh Drew, what did you, what did you buy?
2: Um, I picked up, this is, I think this is going to be my like post tournament of books binge just for me. Mm-hmm. fun is uh animal money by michael cisco oh which um jeff vandermeer yeah jeff vandermeer said that it was his favorite book of 2015 oh cool and it's like it just seems like the weirdest possible thing something about economics weird <laughs> animals there's no actual like jacket blurb it's just this weird beautiful cover mm-hmm. and i was like okay yeah i'll i'll give this a shot Why you're not? buying in uh, and then the third collected volume of the Wicked and the Divine. Oh
0: yeah, commercial yeah.
2: suicide. I believe it's called. Great. Um, also, as just a nice little palate cleanser.
0: Right. Oh yeah. The the tournament of books is always a little serious. Yeah.
2: How uh, about you?
0: Um. I I bought this book. Um. It comes out I think in the spring and it's called a uh, Sweet Bitter by Stephanie Danler. Cool. Yeah. Really exciting. Um, but why don't we uh, why don't we move in and talk about find me?
2: One of my favorite books of last year. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend's like flat out favorite book of 2015. She just wrote a song called Find Me. That she and she took the title and inspiration from the book. Oh, and that's she, amazing! <laughs> do you want to explain what um, what Find Me is about? Yes, to our listeners, I
1: can, I, I can definitely do that. Um, Find Me is uh, a book. Um, sp- I mean, we could probably ca- categorize it as dystopian or speculative, uh, but it uh, concerns a young woman named Joy who is in a hospital uh, in Kansas in the aftermath of an epidemic that destroys memory um, and is also fatal so pretty bad yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's and it's and it's devastated and sort of paralyzed the country and so the the um, The novel's divided into two parts, and the first part centers on her stay in this hospital in Kansas in the middle of nowhere in winter, and the second part is about what happens after, and it's just, you know, more or less a road narrative, and um, let's see, what else can I say about it in terms of the plot? There are ghosts, and a weird basement, Mm -hmm. and a missing mother, um, and Florida. Florida. And a lot of cough syrup too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. She's addicted to to drinking yeah. cough syrup. After Find Me was done, after you, because it's been a year since it's been published. Right? Yeah, was, yeah, just about. I'm just curious now that it's out and it's now coming out in paperback. Um, when, when you're reading as a writer, or at least when we read as writers, we often end up like looking for things that we can sort of take and steal or or that are inspiring us or like an interesting idea that we might incorporate into things. And I'm curious if even though the book is done now, um, do you still find yourself looking and reading things that you're like, oh, that's something that'd be great for joy or something that'd be great for the world?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think that my, my eye is um, just from inhabiting that world and that voice for so long. um, My, my eye immediately goes to the, the kind of dystopian details of, you know, even the everyday landscape, like, you know, the, um, I was in Maine, a couple of months ago and just saw, you know, an abandoned KFC. And I was like, ah. (laughs) (laughs) Abandoned buildings. And my heart went, you know, my heart went a flutter. Um, But but I think, you know, if you're, if you inhabit a world in a character's sight, for so long and particularly since this was a first person novel so I was inhabiting Joy's sight in a more immediate way Um, I do think it takes a while for that lens to wear off Um, but I was talking about this in another interview recently and I think for me the biggest difference between stories and novels um, because people would I mean it was a very natural question too because having written two story collections and novel when the find me first came out that was a question that almost everyone asked me when I did an interview and you know and it was in some ways it was a question that I think I can really only answer now that some time has elapsed because at the time it was like, well, I don't know. One is shorter and one is longer and
2: seems to take many
1: more years. <laughs> um, and I, you know, eventually I like sort of made up stuff that <laughs> was... It's more closely resembling an actual answer, but, <laughs> but I can say now that for me, the big difference is, is that with the short, with short stories, it's true of my first collection and also true of Isle. I mean, even though those stories mean a great deal to me, those books mean a great deal to me, I don't really remember the characters in a visceral way. It was sort of like when that story ended and I moved on to the next story, it was just, it was like a, it, it was just like the book was closed for mm. them, um, And and you know, I don't find myself thinking about them and wondering about them and wondering what happened to them and so with joy I still think about her all the time and she has really lingered with me as a character and I do at just at random times sort of wonder about her um, as though she's a person who actually, you know, existed at some point. Right, um, like you would
0: go and check her on Facebook for yeah, a if you could. Yeah. <laughs> like, Whatever happened to them?
1: Sort of, it's like the, there's that kind of ghost self still out there. So I think that it takes, it does take a while to, to shed that sight and to shed that way of seeing with a novel. Um, but I, I've gotten, in partly because I've been working you know, pretty intensely um, for the last six or so months on a new project. I do think I'm approaching that point where she's, um, you know, kind of fading and new mm. ghosts, fictional ghosts are joining her. Wow, yeah. On the path.
2: That's cool. Yeah, that's um, really cool. It's interesting that you said that you would classify the book sort of as like dystopia speculative because one thing that struck me from the very beginning is that the the disease is not like a catastrophic plague. I think at some point, somebody says it's like 300,000 people yeah. die. And I I was curious about why you decided or how you came to the decision to make it sort of that that smaller but infinitely more impactful apocalypse than 99% of people are dead.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, that was something I decided pretty early on uh, for a couple reasons. I, I really... And I think that there is a real distinction between the post-apocalyptic novel, um, like The Road, for example, and stuff that is, you know, I mean, dystopian is a very broad term. And I just, I like the term speculative because it is so all-encompassing. Yeah. Um, and I think, but when we talk about dystopian, we typically like go to something that's this sort of scorched earth end times. Um, but to me, some of the dystopian novels that have were the most formative for me, um, were books where something cataclysmic had occurred, but at the same time, the everyday was still existing in a really immediate way. And so, like, I love a novel um, that came out around 2008 or 2009, maybe even a little earlier than that. Um, We can Google later, (laughs) uh, called Last Last Chance by a writer named Fiona Mazel. And, I mean, that's a... That's a novel where there's this killer virus, but it, but again, the 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 casualties are you know are are not. It's not a, it's contained within America, and it's it's not a sort of, um, you know, it's devastating, but it's not like a, people aren't you know roasting squirrels for dinner and <laughs> camping out on abandoned highways and and stuff like that. And so, but at the same time, this huge catastrophes unspooling, but it, but also people are. Going for walks and falling in love and going to rehab and going to work on this really weird um, chicken farm and um, you know it's it's a great book. Um, and Ben Marcus's *The Flame Alphabet* was another novel that really uh, made a strong impression on me. And also a, a novel um, that I would classify as speculative. I think dystopian might be a matter of how you read it, but Grace Krulanovich's novel *The Orange Eats Creeps*. Oh yeah! Um, oh yeah! Which I loved that book, and I thought I think particularly in the second part that book. I felt it gave me so um, so much sort of aesthetic permission to just like let shit fly. <laughs> so um, yeah, well, so ultimately, though, because I responded so powerfully to books that were working in that mode of dystopia, that's where I was more inclined to go with my own work. And also just for practical reasons, if you make that decision to completely eradicate the population, there's so much world stuff that you then have to answer for. Right. Um, sure. And because... Where is she going to get
0: her cough syrup? Yeah. <laughs> where
1: is she, right. And how is she going to eat and how is she going to gonna walk from Nebraska to Florida? It's going to take an awfully long time. Right. No, she still um, has a
0: bus system. That yeah, can, yeah,
1: exactly. And so I wanted stuff to be, you know, weird and tilted and fucked up, but I wanted the world to be working enough that, that certain things were, um, were possible. And also... So I didn't. I wasn't so overwhelmed with with these kind of questions of world um, that I, you know, lost sight of Joy's internal journey. Because I think of it as being like a deeply internal book and one mm. that's way more about a specific consciousness moving through a landscape than about the larger world.
2: Yeah, I like that idea of of it being tilted because mm-hmm. I think about it in terms of some of the, like the apocalypse, the little scientific apocalypses that are like just maybe gonna happen and we just miss it like Ebola six months ago the Zika virus right now and having read this book I'm like oh that really weirds me out in a way that nuclear apocalypse I'm like well if that happens okay yeah it's not something we're ever gonna be able to deal anything with yeah whereas when the WHO is like everybody needs to be concerned about getting bit by mosquitoes yeah I'm like Wait, what? Uh, yeah.
1: And I, I and being a Floridian too, I'm like that's it's impossible to not be bitten <laughs> <getting laughs> by mosquitoes for I. Mosquito, mosquito, mosquito.
0: Something that you've mentioned in the past were these um details and sections and ideas that you had that were all part of the book originally mm-hmm. and they've been like you know stripped away. Um, like I think there was like a, a thing about the ghost ship, the Mary oh Celeste. God, yeah, or something. that last, Yeah, that's a crazy list. Um, yeah, the list was incredible. By the way, Pe- we if we can find it, we should link to it on the. Two thousand. Yeah, I'm
1: telling you, 2011, which is is the year that I had every terrible idea for a book and like I put it all into one draft.
0: <laughs> um, so I'm curious: um, are those lost forever, or as a st- short story writer, are you maybe going to pull from those or? Yes. I'm, I'm just curious what's going Those on. Those are lost
1: that. forever and they de- <laughs> they definitely should be. I think <laughs> um, one thing that happened, to, you know, it's really interesting. So the, the first part, and I think, it's partly because the hospital does have these natural boundaries and borders, right? Mm-hmm. Like certain things are possible, certain things aren't possible. I knew it was going to end with her leaving. Um, so it certainly took a lot of time to figure out the exact arc of that w- world. But um, but the second part was challenging in a completely different way because there were really no restrictions. And, and especially given the speculative nature of the world, you're not even bound by... You know, reality necessarily, um, yeah. and so the the final version, in a very rudimentary sense at least, more is closer to the version of part two that I started with. But it really spooked me when I first wrote it because it breaks so radically from the first part Mm -hmm. Um, and also you know there were these kind of tonal evolutions happening and it just got so weird Um, I was like (laughs) I did this no I no this is not what a novel is supposed to do and so one thing that I ended up doing is really sort of wrestling with all of these versions that were much much more um, plotty you know in, in the more I guess kind of conventional sense of the word like and then I got this, te- which is a terrible idea for me. I mean, I would like to read this book written by someone else, but I got this idea that it was going to be like a dystopian noir, and there was this crime element that involved a televangelist and these diamonds that are sewn into an accordion. And I really what, <laughs> what? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs>
2: I I think like a lot of readers maybe have come to your work through your short stories, which do this in a in a smaller way where they're like they're just outside of our world and the possibility of our world. And I'm wondering about like, where do you think the line is of like too loopy, too weird? Because there are moments in Find Me that feel like straight up David Lynch dream logic where Mm -hmm. you're like, how have we gotten here? And then you find this lovely way of bringing it back.
1: Well, I think for me, when, when I'm reading something and I feel like it's getting too loopy in the sense that it's just sort of overwhelmingly strange, but not in a way that feels, you know, impactful or moving or, or engaging or provocative. It's when I think I've lost the character or, or I've lost that human grounding. And so actually, I think one reason why you know it's it seems th- that original incarnation of the second part of the novel seemed sort of impossible to me at first is because there was so much about the arc of joy's character that i didn't understand at that early stage and so when i was re- going back to that material once i got to that to that and i won't for anyone who hasn't read the book i won't say what it is but once i realized that i was writing to a very very specific moment that happens in the mansion um, that's when the the dream logic of that world really began to make sense to me um when when we were sort of funneling toward this moment and there was this turn was going to happen and then you know the sort of movement that happens after i i i could see the correspondence between the dream logic and this internal arc that mm-hmm. joy is experiencing um, and and I think and I definitely am very guilty of this in early drafts but I think sometimes you know when I don't know what's going on with a character or what that arc looks like or I'm missing crucial pieces of it I'm just like well I'll just have more weird things happen yeah <laughs> <How about that? laughs> um, and 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 when and I know, you know, and that's when when I read that material and it doesn't feel engaging to me even though I I wrote it. It's because, the, you know, there's nothing underneath the strangeness. Um, right. And so, and that's the same thing for me as a reader. When I'm reading work by someone else and I'm like, well, this is all sort of flashy and, you know, and weird and trippy and all that. Um, but what's underneath that? And I do think that there has to be something, you know, powerful underneath that. I mean, sort of like style in that sense, right? Like you, we can read beautiful sentences for days, but if there's nothing powering them if there's nothing you know complicated and spiky and interesting underneath that then it's just this sort of absent hollow beauty um and that loses its you know it it, it loses its hold i think on the reader after a while
0: absent hollow beauty sorry i just like that
2: you've you've brought a book to us this evening this I have- afternoon whenever yeah. you're listening to this listeners yeah um yoko Tawada's the naked eye uh
0: out from new directions and i want to talk for just a second about the translation note that original that this novel is written in both um
2: german and japanese she's bilingual yeah it starts and she's in, writing flipping back and forth
0: which and then this this book is just where we just read an english translation um, and I think based
2: off of the German, manuscript. just the German. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I, and I, and I, it made, immediately made me feel like strange about it. Like it, it was already off putting, like just that translation. It was like, Oh, this is a strange book. And so I wanted to know, uh, Laura, why did you, why did you bring this book to us? What, what made you decide to, um, I don't know, recommend it.
1: I, I, this book was on my mind because I was working on a lecture uh, that I gave at a, a writing program in January on unconventional uh, characterization in fiction. And so I was looking at uh, disorientation and detachment and coldness and illogic. In a couple of different uh, texts. So The Naked Eye, um, Alan Warner's novel, Morvern Collar, and a collection of stories by Angela Carter called The Bloody Chamber. Ooh, and so I those, love that. I know, lecture. I know. So those were those were sort of the centerpieces of this of this lecture. So, um, so the book was the book was on my mind uh, generally, but also I thought in some ways it made sense you know, thinking about like what might have a kind of echo with Find Me because it's also a, a deeply internal book where there's a huge exterior world, but it, it's just, it's kind of cannibalized by the narrator's consciousness in really mm-hmm. interesting ways. So mm-hmm. that was my, that was my thinking.
2: So do you want to summarize, Drew, what the book is kind of about? Yeah, it's a um, a young woman who uh, leaves Vietnam and ends up in uh, East Germany to give like a... She's been chosen by her school to go give a lecture. She ends up getting kidnapped to... Hang on. Yeah, to West Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she sort of escapes from her like lover slash kidnapper. Ends up in Paris. Has a whole run of adventures with various people in Paris. In this sort of weird, very dreamy progress that feels almost it feels almost mythological in some ways in the sense of like and now this trial Mm -hmm. or like and now she ends up with the prostitute and like
1: and now now she's with the acting truth yeah Yeah.
2: and it's and all
0: this in like less than 200 yeah it's a very slim book and written in
1: you know a lot of sort of short sections that kind of fragmentation um
0: yeah i i was um I was I was immediately drawn in because I sort of like this um subgenre of person lost and searching for something but they're not mm-hmm. sure what. Um like find having adventures. Uh and and she is the most frustrating narrator I have come across in a long yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. Where um you mentioned the the prostitute in, in France and there the, the the meeting with that prostitute, she's just as she, it's it's a lot about things that get lost in translation.
1: Mm-hmm. One thing that I it's very moving to me about this book is that I think it's a really interesting sort of exploration of, of tr- like a tr- traumatized mind. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, she is always looking for someone to trust, she's always trying to find yeah, someone that she can like put her but also in. that
1: sense like what happens when it trauma is so profound that all the old signifiers, the old alphabets, the old ways of understanding are just gone. Um, And and in some ways, I mean, you could almost, if you were going to make a case for this book as, as, as a sort of psychological dystopia, I think that that actually would really work. But it's sort of like that idea of, right, and why doesn't she, you know... Why doesn't she, I, one of my favorite moments in the book is where she tells a character who asks about her parents that her parents are dead, mm-hmm. um, even though there she has no reason to think that that's true. And sort of like one question in terms of that frustration is like, why isn't she trying to get back home? Why is she just sort of wandering in this fog and going to the movies an awful lot? And But I think that when there's that beautiful line where um, she says, I realized then that a, a real a death can never be taken back, not even a fictional one. And it's like, oh, of course, the fictional death is hers, right? She's sort of wandering in, in kind of this afterlife of trauma. Um, and if you think about how she's sort of indistinct, like, temporally, you know, I mean, the novel uses sort of real-world events to kind of ground us, but then you're like, what? She's been doing this for, like, three years? Well, yeah. and it, and then, it comes you know? on
2: you so quickly in the way that when she is when she's surprised that, like, the Berlin Wall fell... The reader is—you're also surprised because sh- you're like, wait, it's been—it's been that long. I had no idea. Yeah, it feels right. like you're it's, been,
1: it's been like a month or a few yeah. weeks or something. But that idea that she's emotionally indistinct, she's temporally indistinct, and that her existence is very spectral and very ghost-like in that in that way.
0: Um, I was really interested in in her need for repetition and and um, and familiarity, but still finding um, things to to find in in her so she's often she's watching these um what's the, the films
2: of Catherine Deneuve who right who yes. I I've, have I've never seen any I've never films.
0: seen any either and I feel like now I have to because I'm fascinated I, I mean and the way she describes her relationship with these movies is sometimes it's like a friend describing a dream to mm-hmm. you and I was I was very taken by that but I was also curious if um either of you ever find yourself in repetition loops with things. Yo, what did you read? And where did you read it? Did you like the book? Would you ever it? Did the words sink in? Do you have a question? Did you understand? What's your comprehension? The reading comprehension. Reading comprehension. Do you guys have, find things that you have to repeat and to find familiarity and comfort?
2: Yeah, I mean... The West Wing is definitely my, no, ma- no matter what mood I'm in, I can put on a random episode from the first four seasons of The West Wing and immediately I'm like, oh, so, yeah. Josh is your Catherine to move. Yeah, and it, it plays in the background. Seinfeld
1: even. is mine. Oh,
0: oh, yeah. Great.
1: Yeah. Or and Law and & and Order. As soon as I hear that music, I'm like, oh, I'm
0: home.
2: <laughs> it's even to that point that you can sort of... It can be so background that you're not actually paying attention, but like your mind knows it well enough that it's filling in.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And
2: as she watches these films three, five, ten times, you're like, oh, you're you're not there just to see the film.
0: Right. You're you're getting you're getting this com- the comfort that that sort of need of her mind to get something familiar because mm-hmm. she is always a stranger in a strange land.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And what, and if you've been, you know, kind of burned so many times by real humans, what could be, you know, because it's like, she's watching an actress on a screen, but of course she's not even watching that person, right? She's watching these fictional characters that she's playing. And it's sort of like, it's like humanity three times removed. And and it's like, of course that would be safe harbor, um where it's 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 like human but there's no risk of harm
2: i was struck by the way that she took the plots of these stories and in like injected them sometimes very directly Mm -hmm. so you were like oh this for whatever reason is a big influence but then sometimes very tangentially almost just like a like a glancing the last chapter for Mm -hmm. one that i was like oh this barely touches on the movie that it's apparently based on right. right, right. versus yeah. the chapter with the hunger, the David Bowie vampire where film, where she's literally hungry and literally yeah. having her blood taken.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, it was such a strange otherworldly read.
1: It is. And it, and it gets more, you know, as the book continues, I think one thing that's like the novel that's really interesting structurally about the novel is that that cinematic landscape just, you know, what are those things that you put in water and they, they blow up
0: oh like a like a little like dinosaur yeah yeah
1: like in my mind that's sort of what happens structurally with the cinematic landscape right that it just expands over the course of the book and it takes up more and more space and we lose that sense of of the the outside world um so it, it gets it gets fuzzier and fuzzier and fuzzier and then t- and then when we get to the end right where the abductor comes back and she goes with him.
0: Oh, gosh, that was, that was it, so frustrating.
1: Yeah, right? But it's almost as though, I mean, in my reading of that is that it's, I think the kind of question that that novel poses at the end is if you undergo like a trauma so profound. What if the only way to kind of just keep moving forward in time is to invent a way to live as though you have no body. And I think that's essentially what she does. Like, like she's living so much in the imagined landscape. It's almost like, well, I can be here. I can be in Bohem. It doesn't matter. um, Because if I have a movie theater, that's the space that I'm dwelling in. Like take, do what you want with my body. Um, I think it's a very, to me, that's like kind of a, a really chilling notion but yeah. um but the yeah the, no- the novel does such interesting stuff with that that film space
0: and it, it it did remind me of of find me in some ways especially the way that it moves from place to place where it sh- she finds like a, a whole world yeah. in each in each yeah, space sure. yeah um and it actually also reminded me of a, of another um fsg uh original and uh, former guest of our show Catherine Lacey's book. oh yeah uh, nobody is ever yeah. missing um it really it really harkened back to that in that i
1: can totally see that uh, yeah and that sort of lost self narrative. lost self way yeah um and joy also does engage in a lot of repetition too she does um
2: i feel i've read a lot of translation recently mm-hmm. in a way that i was thinking about it very consciously as i was reading this book in the way that like as she's watching these films where she she can't speak french she's she can't speak English. And she's but she's sort of getting it. And by the time like several viewings through, she's like, Oh, I've picked up enough. But it's never gonna be the same thing as as reading it in the original. Right. And this where there are like there are two originals.
0: Right. And and then I don't know. I, I feel like when I read translated fiction, I, I do get a feeling from it that I I feel like if someone just handed me a book blind, I would be able to tell that it was translated. It's got a, it, this yeah. book definitely has a feel.
1: Absolutely. I'd, I thought I had, I taught it um, a handful of years ago, a class on uh, literature and translation, but I don't, I'm not fluent in any other languages. So I quite obviously don't do translation work <laughs> myself. Um, but at a certain point, it occurred to me that if we were, you know, if all we were reading was literature and translation, it would probably be a good idea to talk about that at some point. And so I had a bunch of um, translators who either, I either sent them questions over email or they stay Skyped in. People were really generous with their time to very willing to, t- to talk about it um one thing that was really striking to me is all the different philosophies of translation right so it's like they're different schools they're different ways of approaching it etc um but also just this idea that i don't think any of the translators would have said i'm giving you the same book that was published in its native oh, language right. like it is you are Creating a new document, a new a new version, and you're just trying to you're try, there's an essence that you're trying to to preserve.
0: Well, why don't we, why don't we, let people discover this wonderful book on their own, and uh, and move to recommendations of just books that we like. What do you like? What do I like? Yeah, you get to go first. Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, since we're a little tournament excited right now, I'm going to talk about a book that I wouldn't have found without the tournament. Um, it's a great book, um, which, as, as the title sort of shows, it's about um, a, uh, a, these soldiers that are actually just, they're brought home for just a little bit. They're about to go out on another tour, and they're brought back to be part of a halftime super bowl mm-hmm. show and they're going to uh, be no, part of it's, the thanksgiving it's show, a thanksgiving show that's it's right the
2: dallas cowboys thanksgiving game
0: and uh, beyonce is uh performing and they are going to be part of her show um but it's and it's sort of it's sort of all takes place very quickly but it also goes back and and forth a little bit and um it's a really incredible book and it's going to be a a, um, a movie now i guess
2: oh yeah with steve martin
0: yeah and ang lee is directing oh nice so very strange interesting thing uh what about you laura what do you recommend to our listeners
1: i have this like frantic scramble happening in my brain (laughs) we can go to um no i i i I think the the longer i wait the more the, the scramble will i fear will intensify just because there's it's like there's it's like everything and nothing at once right you know so many titles that they all just start evaporating like thought clouds being punctured um i think one book that i've been really mesmerized by is the end of days by jenny erpenbeck um which is uh she's a a german writer so also keeping with our theme of translation Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i just i love that book and it's so sort of structurally intricate and so um she is one of the most unrelentingly intense writers that I have come across um she just sort of sets this pitch of both emotional and stylistic intensity and just like never it never breaks Mm -hmm. um and I'm really interested in how like, I mean, she's pretty clearly a genius, but I mean, but I'm also just really interested in how, a, like, genius aside, she's able to maintain that. So I've been rereading that novel, um, trying to sort of understand uh, in some small way, you know, how she's able to to sustain that intensity. Um, but it's the structure of the, the novel is... Uh, it's it's essentially the story of a woman's life it's told in five parts but at the end of each section she dies Mm -hmm. um and so and there are these these sections inter in between that that are sort of like an alternate um you know explore like an alternate path like if if something slightly different had happened it's like a way she could have lived Mm -hmm. um so it's sort of like it's it's these it's these and it's it's chronological so at the end is She's an you know, an old in the fifth section. She's an old woman. So but it's just something it's intricate, but it also could have been like incredibly kind of gimmicky, um, in in the hands of someone who's not as brilliant as she. Uh, but it's nice. it's just it's an incredible, incredible book. Mm. Um and with this just Gale force power that she keeps up all the way through. So um yes, the end of days. Wow, that That's sounds incredible. Mine.
0: Cool. Yeah, yeah. thanks.
2: I've been meaning to read that for a while. That's I have to go get it now. Uh
0: what about you, Drew?
2: Um This is coming out, I think, in about a month. Uh, Helen Oyeyemi's new short story collection, um, What is Not Yours is Not Yours. And its I've never read any of her work before, but it has been heavily recommended. And reading her in short stories, each story somehow, whether literally or sort of metaphorically, centers around a key. And it's just the stories start and you're like, oh, I know how this story is going to play out and then they take this left turn and you're like oh that was just setting up the world for this other story but she does what people do in a novel in the space of 20 30 pages and each one of them is like it's astounding the way that she's able to just build all of this and make it happen essentially in a flash mm-hmm. um she's incredible yeah, yeah i like i, I can't i need to go back and read her backlist now
0: yeah i've read a couple of her her past books and they're they're amazing I want to ask you one more question Laura before we we sign off because we are of course tournament of books followers and you got to be in the color commentary box last year and I'm curious what is your I don't know I guess favorite to win it this year
1: well okay um I have to confess, I I haven't read a lot of the books. um, You said you've been rereading, so you haven't. Yeah, I was on a big rereading kick um, (laughs) last last year. But there's so... So one thing I really love about the Tournament of Books, I think... It it also has introduced me to titles that I either didn't know about or wouldn't maybe have been as inclined to pick up otherwise. But then hearing a judge make a passionate case for them, um, it made me sort of more inclined to read them and, and totally. I've almost always been been glad. Um and also, I mean, because they're you know, like I've been dying to read the sellout, I've been dying to read the Turner House. Um and so I also love that the tournament is just like an impetus to, you know, to to read the books that people have been talking about sort of right now. Um, um but i will say that i um i loved the invaders and found that to be you know really um funny sharp uh, very engrossing, dark uh, novel. I also loved, I mean, to go back to Valeria's novel, I thought the story of my teeth was wonderful and I thought it was just such an interesting vision of a novel, right? Because yeah. the whole thing is collaborative, like the nature of the project's collaborative, it's very collaborative with her translator. I just thought it was, um, it was just such an interesting sort of vision of what a novel can be um, and there was this wonderful sense of, of play in the book that I loved um, and I also, like so many people, loved Fates and Furies Um. And... Uh, I know the author so that that might I'm rooting for her <laughs> a little bit um, a little bit extra perhaps but yeah but those three are, are ones that I'm going to be particularly excited to see how they do oh and I also love the book of Aaron I'm a huge I'm a huge Jim Shepard fan mm-hmm. and I could see that book really going far because it's just it's so so um, I mean he's such a he's just he's such a master he's such a master and it's such it's so um, compelling and um, and and comp and I just I love his work.
0: I do love a compact novel. I think in in the same way that I'm impressed by really really long books, I'm also impressed by like really really short ones. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on. by the damn library. We really appreciate. It. And find me is out now in paperback. It is, and um, uh, it
1: will fit in your you pocket. Sh-
0: you should go find. It will. It. And while you're
2: there, you might as well in your other pocket the isle of youth your fsg originals collection i know
1: you can have you can like twinsies yeah yeah
2: Yeah, put it in your winter pockets
0: (laughs) and uh and have some excellent reading to do
1: okay thank you so much for having me
0: oh yeah of course
2: can we hit it and quit yeah
0: (laughs) no okay you want to do one more
2: can we hit it and quit yeah